Well, it's good to see you all in the house this morning. And once again, for those that are visiting us this morning, a special welcome to all of you. And we're just so glad that you found us this morning. Um, it feels like a long time since I've preached, which it has been. Our rentals are over. Yay. <laughs> well, mostly over. It never really ends, does it? Well, before we jump into the word, why don't we just open in a prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word, which is alive and powerful today. Lord, we thank you that your word does not lose power over time, but it is the same today as it was the day it was written, Jesus. And God, we pray that as we open your word, as we dive in this morning, that you would be speaking something individually to each one of us as well, Jesus. Pray that, um, yeah, your word would just be so alive. We just welcome you in this place, Jesus. We turn our attention, our hearts towards you. And we just pray that uh, as we continue on in this Hero Maker series, that we would continue to see how you have laid out the plan for us to follow. So we give this to you in your name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start off with these couple pictures this morning. You can throw the first one up. And some of these have been around for a while, but this picture here, it took me a long time to see it, but there's actually two pictures in this picture. Who sees like a really old lady just kind of, yeah, I see my grandma. <laughs> Who sees a lady looking over her shoulder? Yeah, it's a little hard to see. So, old lady, you got the nose and the mouth and the chin coming down here. But the lady looking over her shoulder, her eyelash is just flicking out right there, and she's looking that way. So that one, it took me a long time to see the lady looking over her shoulder. Um, I have fantastic, or had fantastic grandparents, so it's not that I have like these cranky old grandparents or anything like that, but I don't know, it just stuck out to me. Now, how about this next picture? This one really trips me out because it looks like he's looking straight on at us, but at the same time, it looks like we're looking at a side shot looking that way. And it's just like, it's a perspective thing. It's the way we look at it affects how our brain processes it. And yeah, it really hurts my brain. So you can take that one down because it's super distracting. But these examples from art are going to help show us and challenge us how to see things differently this morning. I just want to open up with those to show that just depending on how you're looking at something, it can have a huge impact on what you see coming out of it. So when we look at people, do we see that they have like a huge potential in their lives? Or do we look beyond ourselves at what God has put into other people's lives? You know what I mean? Like, are we seeing the God potential in other people? Or do we just see them as other people? And that, you know, we've got to do everything ourselves because God's only given us the gifts and the abilities to do it. And that's the difference between a hero and a hero maker. A hero feels like, I got to do everything myself because God has given me this gifting and this challenge to overcome. A hero maker goes... God's put all of these wonderful, fantastic people around me that all have wonderful, fantastic gifts deep inside of them that he wants to use in every single way possible. So that's Hero Maker. So we're in week two of our series where we're challenging one another. So I'm challenging you. Caitlin's challenging me. We're all challenging each other. So everyone say, we're challenging each other. There's like five of you. Let's challenge each other. We're challenging each other. There we go. Now we're awake. Good. It's good. 
We're challenging one another to become hero makers, which requires a shift from seeing ourselves as the hero maker to making heroes out of others. And why would we do that, you know? Being a hero isn't all that bad, and Caitlin gave some great examples of some superheroes and how the superhero culture is so vivid in our lives these days with the MCU and DC trying to keep up and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> a little jab there. Sorry, couldn't help it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a big thing, and we see how amazing heroes can be, and we see everyday heroes do amazing things, and we want to praise heroes. However, Jesus calls us beyond being a hero to being a hero maker, and he said it like this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission. This was like the big picture, go get it done church um, mission statement from Jesus. This, if you're ever unsure of what it is Jesus asked you to do, read that over and over again. Because that is what he's asked every single one of us to do. Go make disciples. Another word we can use for disciples in this context would be, go make apprentices to Jesus. You know, Paul said the best, follow me as I follow Jesus. So as I am doing my best to reflect Jesus in the way I conduct my life and the way I use my gifts, my abilities, all of that kind of stuff, follow me and do the same thing. Because as I'm trying to be like Jesus, I want to see you try and be like Jesus and become more and more like him every single day. So even if you're not even sure if you're a Jesus follower, even if you're not sure that, you know, if Jesus is real, if you're not sure that Jesus is the thing, I want to encourage you that if you move beyond being just the hero of your life to being a hero maker, the impact that you're going to see happen throughout your life is going to be far greater. You know, it's the path to a lasting impact. So I want to challenge every one of us in the next 20 or so minutes here to consider what it would look like to become a hero maker. Last week, Kate spoke on heroes are not born, they're made. And it was kind of like shifted, just shifting our thinking uh, from being a hero to a hero maker. Well, today, I want us to shift how we see people. I want to shift our sight to seeing like a hero maker, okay? So last week, Caitlin also got us to write the, our, those names on those cones. So if you weren't here last week, we had these little cone cups. We wrote our name on it. Then we wrote all the people who poured into our lives around the rim of the cup. Then we flipped the cup over and wrote the names of the people that we want to pour into or that we feel God is impressing on us to pour into onto the cup as well. So even as we go through this message, I'll encourage you, maybe some of those names are going to pop up into your mind again throughout it going, I could do that with that person. I could see that in that person. I want to encourage you to have a lot of faith, a lot of courage to step out beyond yourself even after today. Okay? So here we go. We're going to look at Jesus because Jesus was the greatest hero maker of all. You know, Jesus did a lot of heroic things while he lived on earth. 
He walked on water. I haven't done that. I've tried. I've tried running really fast to see if I could just like skim the surface for a little bit. It usually ends bad. Um, you know, he taught large crowds of people without a microphone. That's pretty good. Uh, he healed the sick. That's amazing. He healed sick people and things that no one even thought was possible to do in that time. He raised people from the dead. Come on. I have not seen anyone raise someone from the dead before, and I think it'd be pretty spectacular. And yet, look at what he says about the things he had done. And this is in John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Did you catch that? Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Now, Jesus said that. But quick show of hands, how many of us feel comfortable saying, well, of course, I have done greater things than Jesus? I'm not seeing a lot of hands showing. <laughs> My guess is most of us look at what Jesus did and think, I can never do that. So why would Jesus have said that? How could he claim that we would do greater things than him? Jesus is part of the Godhead. Jesus is God. How can we do greater things? You know, for me, it'd be like if Vladdy from the Blue Jays handed me a baseball bat and looked at me in the eyes real seriously and said, you will do greater things with this bat. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Than I have ever done. You will hit more home runs. That's not happening. I don't have it. <laughs> okay? To understand what Jesus is talking about, let's start not like by looking at what Jesus accomplished, okay? Because if we just look at the what he was doing, we're going to miss the bigger picture of how he accomplished it. So as Kate mentioned last week, when Jesus began his public ministry, he began by selecting 12 disciples or apprentices. So let's read the one example told by Mark. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother John or his brother Andrew, sorry. I should get that one. My brother's name is Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, when we read this, it makes little to no sense in our current culture. Just go ahead. Go down Main Street, St. George, find two people sitting there on their phones and go, hey, Put your phones down. Follow me. Right? How's that going to turn out? Either they're going to look at you and laugh, or they're going to call the police. Because that's a little creepy. You know what I mean? We tell all our kids, right? Stranger danger. Don't follow the stranger. <laughs> okay? But in Jesus' case, these two men immediately dropped their nets and followed him. Without hesitation. What's going on here? Why would they do that? Well, it might help us to understand a bit of the cultural context behind the encounter. You see, in those days, young men grew up wanting to be a rabbi. A rabbi was a teacher of the law who was the pinnacle of Jewish educational and culture system, cultural system. They were like the job to get. That was the position every young man wanted to get. If they were esteeming to be anything in life, they wanted to be a rabbi because everyone looked up to them. But in order to become a rabbi, you had to be selected by another rabbi 
who would then train you up for the role. You had to be selected. You had to be chosen. So Jewish kids, when they were very young, started out learning the same concepts. They all were in the same classes together, much like our kids are in the same classes together when they're in school. But only the best of the best were chosen to follow a rabbi. A rabbi would pick you because he saw potential in you to become a rabbi. He saw potential for you to become something more than you currently were. So in Jesus' culture, everyone wanted to be picked by a rabbi. And as Jesus is walking along the shore, he sees two brothers, Peter and Andrew, fishing. Now, why were they fishing? It's because they weren't picked. They weren't the chosen ones. You had two options, really, as for your occupational uh, life goal. It was either become a rabbi or go into the family business. So they were fishing. They weren't being a rabbi. They weren't chosen. They weren't picked. So anyone know that feeling of not being picked? You know, you're the last one picked. You were never picked for anything. Now, quick show of hands, who has never been picked last? Good, no one put their hands up. If, if someone put their hands up, this is everyone else's chance to throw something at them, okay? Let them know how it feels. <laughs> you know, maybe it was a sports team where you didn't get picked for the team. You know, you didn't make the cut. Or maybe it was you were trying to get into a school you really wanted to get into, but you didn't quite make it into that one, and you went into a different one instead. Or maybe it was a relationship. <gasps> you know, you were really hoping for that girl or really hoping that that one guy would ask you out. It never happened. Come on. I still call my first girlfriend all the time. She's sitting over there, though, so. <laughs> my guess is that all of us know what it feels like to not be picked at one point or another. All of us have been cut from something at some point or another. And when we look at this scripture, and we see these two guys sitting there fishing, working on their nets, trying to catch fish, trying to make a living, it'd be like how we feel times a thousand because every single person wanted that same thing, right? It's like when you see someone not making on like America's Got Talent or something that just really think they're all that and they get cut right off the bat and they're like decimated, that's what it would be like, okay? I love watching those, by the way. You know, in grade eight, I got cut from the volleyball team. It wasn't because I couldn't bump or set or any of that stuff. It was literally because I was too short. Same thing happened in basketball, too short. <laughs> I could dribble, I could shoot, I could do all that. I was just too short. You know, I hadn't quite hit a growth spurt yet. And as many of you know, I'm not an exceptionally tall person even now, but I really didn't grow to like grade 11 or 12 and like, it wasn't just that I was short, I was also scrawny. So I was just like this little shrimp of a kid who really wanted to be on the team and just couldn't make it. I've gotten past it, don't worry. I'll be okay. I don't need prayer for that anymore. <laughs> but remembering our own experience and not getting picked on the team is going to help us understand what may have been like to not be picked by a rabbi in Jesus' day. It helps us get why Peter and Andrew would immediately run to follow Jesus. If I was in grade eight and all of a sudden that coach was like, actually, you know what? I really need you on the team. I would, have been, I would have been in that gym before they were. I would have got there real fast, right? They wanted to be a rabbi. 
So when Jesus said to them, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people, it's as if he's saying to them, you thought your whole life was going to be about catching stinky, slimy fish. You thought that was all you were going to get to do in life. But you know what? I see something different in you, and you're going to come with me, and you're going to fish for people. In other words, I see you helping the poor. I see you healing the sick. I see you giving hope to the down and out. I see you helping people find their way back to Jesus. Which in that day, Jesus was literally there on earth, but you know what I mean. So, Jesus was offering them a chance to change the world. And here's the truth. He offers the same opportunity to you and me today. You and I, we may not feel qualified or capable because we don't see what Jesus sees. A lot of the time, we just can't see it for ourselves. To Jesus, it doesn't matter how educated we are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what family you came from, what neighborhood you grew up in, what side of the country you grew up in even. It doesn't matter how ordinary we may feel. Jesus says to us, come follow me. Come follow me. And here's what happened when Peter and Andrew and the others said yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowered them to do the things that Jesus had been doing. The Holy Spirit empowered them. And not only did they do those things, but because they saw so powerfully what God could do through them, they became hero makers and called others to follow Jesus and learn to do what Jesus did as well. And their followers called more followers, and they called even more followers, and so on and so on and so on, all the way down the line to you and me. We wouldn't be here if they hadn't done that all the way along the line. You know, when Caitlin and me got, and myself got ordained this summer, we believe that there's been a progression all the way down the line from the first disciples ordaining people into the ministry. It's a powerful thing to think about that we have, each one of us has a direct connection all the way back to Jesus because he called the first 12. Wow. You see, when Jesus said we would do greater things, it's because he saw like a hero maker. He knew the investment he was making in his apprentices would lead to a greater service, greater sacrifice, and greater love as more and more people answered the call to follow him. He could see God working through his apprentices to change the world. Jesus called out the potential in others, and as his followers, we are called to do the same. We are all called to call out the potential in others. So the question comes down to who? Who are the people that God has put into your sphere of influence that need to see the potential that you see in them? Who needs you to affirm their gifts and talents? Who needs you to, to, who needs to know that you believe in them, right? You know, the number one question when we're, when we're thinking about this kind of thing, number one question that a person has usually, it's never about what's in it for me. That's actually not usually the big question people are asking when you like ask them to do something, like even thinking about joining a team or being a part of something, they're not usually asking, what's in it for me, but rather, why me? Why would you want me to be part of this? We often get so caught up in trying to sell someone on an opportunity, you know, I explain what's in it for them, sharing with them all the benefits that they're, 
personally going to experience if they step into whatever it is you're wanting them to step into. Anyone ever been to Hawaii? And you walk the street and then someone gets you into this little side room where they want to sell you some big package thing and there's all these amazing things in it for you. That's kind of what that's like. It's, it's bizarre. I've never been somewhere that they've done it so well. Um, I didn't buy anything, by the way. I made it out alive. But uh, most people are often less interested, though, in what you want them to do and much more interested in why you want them to do it or why you think they possibly could do it, even. So Caitlin, I'm going to give a little story about Caitlin. She worked in kids' ministry for like 14 years straight. That's a long haul to be in kids' church. So as the kids' church director, one of her main things was she would need to recruit volunteers. Now, kids' ministry is an area of church life that is incredibly rewarding, but also can be incredibly challenging. And as adults, a lot of us go, I don't know how to deal with kids, so I'm out, right? We've all been there. Even when you have your own kids, sometimes it's like, I'm out. <laughs> it's your kid. <laughs> then we trade back and forth. You know, anyone who has kids knows what I'm talking about. But, you know, you've probably heard us do it, especially when we first got here because we didn't really know anyone. But you do, we would do those blanket calls for volunteers. If anyone in the church could please help with kids, it would be fantastic. You get to see kids smile. You get to see them do this. You get to see, you know what I mean? Like, we'll do a big blanket call, try and get volunteers. And Caitlin was, she was pretty good at it. And then, you know, you do a blanket call. We need 30 more volunteers to really fill this schedule out. And then you get two, right? Because it's a blanket call. And then we go to the lead pastor and be like, could, could you just please just like reinforce this? Like next week, can you do it? And just like from the lead pastor, it's got to have more impact. And we get a couple more. <laughs> Right? Well, after a while of doing that, multiple years, and we start to go through this kind of stuff. We're talking about this hero maker concept with our old church. Um, we actually shifted some of that and started to have those individual conversations. And Caitlin came to realize really quickly that those individual conversations saying, this is why I think that you'd be great. This is why I think that you should be on this team. This is what I see in you that I think is why you should be a part of this team. You know, success rate went through the roof of getting people to serve because then they could see why they should be a part of that. Hero makers see in others what they don't see in themselves. You know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for people in my life operating like hero makers as well. You know, long before anyone coined the phrase, my youth pastor when I was like 13, he started being a hero maker to me. He poured into my life in ways that I can't even remember all the things that he would have done. But it would be encouragements. Even the simple like, hey, it's okay that you came in singing that song in the completely wrong key. It's behind us. We're going to move on. It's okay that you had to stop the worship song partway through because the whole band fell apart. We're still here. We're okay. Next week's going to be better, right? Or hey, I think that you could lead this, and here's why. And he was that encouraging voice to me, seeing things in me that I didn't even know was in me yet. And that, to me, is what it means to be a hero maker. It's looking people in the eye and saying, you can do this, I believe in you. Even if you mess up, even if you blow it sometimes, you can do this, I believe in you. 
it's important to speak to someone's potential instead of just their performance. Now, all of us like to know when we've done something good. I'm guilty of that too. I like knowing when I did something good. But it's so much bigger for someone when you speak to their potential, when you say, I think that you could actually do this. I think that you've got the capability to lead this. I think that you could be the most amazing kids' church leader because of this. This is what I see. It can be life-changing for someone who all of a sudden realizes that they've got potential in them of things that they didn't know were possible and someone else actually believes in them. So I want to ask you, have you ever had someone pull you aside, look you in the eye and say, you know what? I believe you've got what it takes. I see, some, I see in you someone who could influence others towards Jesus. I really think you can do this. That's called an ICNU conversation. ICNU, just like that. Now, ICNU is twofold. There's the ICNU right now, which is huge because often we can't see the good in ourselves that others can see in us. You know, I see in you that you are a good person and that you have this compassionate care for other people. Or I see in you a generous heart who wants to just help people who don't have enough. I see in you this, I see in you that. I see in you can also be, though, someone's future. I see in you becoming this. I see in you that you have the potential to grow to this level. I see in you that you could become this amazing musician and learn how to play amazing chords that I can't even figure out. Has anyone ever seen those like memes on Facebook of like jazz chords where their fingers are all like messed up for guitar? Oh, maybe it's just me because I look at that stuff all the time. But I see in you becoming something that you're not. So who is it for you? As we've been talking for the last 20 minutes or so, has anyone come to mind of someone that you could have that kind of a conversation with? An I see in you conversation where you're calling out the potential in someone. You're calling out the gifts in someone else. You're calling out what something could lay in someone's future that they can't even see because it's so far out there for them that you're like, it's in there. I see it. You might not, but I see it for you, <laughs> right? Maybe it's someone you have seen potential in for a long, long time. They're just that obvious person that you see they have what it takes, but you've never taken the time to tell him or her that you see it in them. Or maybe it's a person who just really needs you to look him in the eye and say, I see in you. And it's not even the most obvious person in the room. Sometimes it's that person that's off in the corner that often gets overlooked, the last picked person on the team who has this amazing thing hidden inside of them that needs to be called out. No, I believe that we all have God's spirit working inside of us and that he can lead us to those people. So I want to encourage you, be listening. Have open ears, have open eyes to see like Jesus sees. Now, I'd like everyone to do something for me, okay? And I'm serious about this. I want you to turn to the person beside you and say, I see in you the ability to have an I see in you conversation. Go ahead. There we go. You all just had your first I see in you conversation. Good job, everybody. <laughs> see how easy that was? So I believe that God wants you 
and myself to see like a hero week, hero maker this week and have more of those kind of conversations? What do you see in someone else? What can you call out? You know, some of us, you know, as life goes on, what we're currently involved in can shift and change and turn. You know, well, I used to always do this, but now I'm not really sure where I fit in the middle of this. And, you know, even for Caitlin and myself, we're in those spots all the time too. But there's always the ability to pour into someone else's life and call it out and disciple someone. So I encourage you guys, who are you going to have an ICNU conversation with this week? Maybe it's someone that you roll on your cup from last week. Maybe God's dropping someone fresh in your mind, in your heart, that you need to have a conversation with this week. But if you've never had someone say, I see in you before, be the first person to do it to someone else and say, I see in you to them. You know, and it might not even be because you know that person particularly well. It might not even be that you know that much about them, really. But you might be calling something out of them because Jesus told you about it before you've even had really good conversations with the people. You know, in Acts 1.8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, we've all been told for a long, long time that we need to believe in Jesus, right? Anyone ever heard that we need to believe in Jesus? <laughs> all of us should have in this room. But more and more and more, I'm beginning to realize that not only do we need to believe in Jesus, but we need to believe that Jesus believes in us. He entrusted his mission to us messy people, right? That's why he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He wouldn't have said that if he didn't mean it. Jesus believes in us. He believes in his church that he's building, and we get to be a part of it, and that's an amazing thing. So we have to ask ourselves, do we think this was just a nice pep talk from Jesus that he gave to some of his closest friends before he he headed out before he left? Or did he really mean it? Did he really mean that we would do greater things? Church, Jesus has entrusted us with one of the most impactful, life-changing, world-altering missions ever in the history of mankind. That was almost a Captain America speech there. <laughs> he is saying to every one of us individually and all of us collectively, I see in you. I believe in you. Through the power of my Holy Spirit, you will make disciples and be my witnesses who will bring love to the loveless, hope to the hopeless, and eternal life to those facing a Christless eternity. Who's ready to accept Jesus' mission to change the world? Jesus believes in us because he entrusted his mission to us. He chose to work through us I'd like everyone to stand as we close. Church, I'd love to pray for us this morning that we would not only start to think like a hero maker, but that we'd start to see like a hero maker, that we would start to see the potential in others and start calling it out of them. So why don't you join with me as I pray for you all. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these people. 
I thank you for this community that you've dropped us in, Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we seek to do your will in our lives, that we would start to see more and more like a hero maker, that we would start to see more and more what it looks like to follow you and to call people out from where they're currently at. Lord, I pray that you would drop in us, drop in our hearts names of people that we need to have eyes see new conversations with. I pray that you would open our eyes to see the potential in others. I pray that we would see people's gifts, see their potential, see what you might have in store for them in their future. Lord, I pray that we would accept your mission for each one of us, Jesus, and give us the courage to step out of our comfort zones and have those conversations with people. I see in you the ability. Jesus, we thank you that you believe in us. We thank you that you've given your church this mission. And Lord, we say we choose to accept it. We accept your mission, Jesus, and we want to live it out the best we can. So Lord, I pray that you'd empower your church to be hero makers. In your name, amen. You know, for some of us in this room, we may have never even decided if we want to follow Jesus or not. You know, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. He laid his life down for every single one of us to make a way for us to have eternal life with him, to make a way for us to come into fullness of restoration with him. Because our world, as many of you know, is a messed up world. It's not how it was originally intended at creation, but Jesus is on a restoration mission. And when we choose to follow him, everything changes. So if you're here in this place, if every eye could close and every head bow, if you're here in this place and you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, you're making that decision right now that you want to choose to follow him. If you could just slip your hand up so I know who I'm praying for, that would be awesome. And if there's those online that are with us this morning as well, and, and you're saying from home that I want to follow Jesus for all the rest of my life, you can accept that right where you're at as well. And I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. So if everyone in the room could repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your gift of salvation. I choose to follow you and take up your mission to live like a hero maker. So Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. And I welcome a relationship with you in your name. Amen. Amen. And for anyone who did that for the first time, it's like a party going off in heaven. It's the most amazing day for the rest of your life.